Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Formula One on One podcast. Sadly, last week was an off week and we did not produce an episode like we suggested we might. So that's on us. We apologize for it. But thank you for joining us again this week for the 2022 British Grand Prix. It is sure to be an exciting one, as always. I feel like Silverstone, you always get one of the best races of the year there. Um, as always, my name is Justin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sashwat. Um, please follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at F1on1pod, and rate us five stars on whatever listening platform you are listening to us on. Sashwat, how's it going? Justin, obviously very, very... Uh sad that we had an off week and unfortunately our schedules did not work out such that we could record an off week episode um you know we're both very busy this this summer with our respective internships and everything else that life yeah very busy very busy <laughs> just everything that life tends to throw at us you know um but i am very excited um we've just had a string of three straight street circuit races i hate it all now we have four back to back to back to back to back uh permanent racing facilities we have two double headers so that means four races in the next five weekends um i don't know as a huge fan of f1 i am looking forward to it you know i can't wait to discuss silverstone this weekend with you obviously red bull ring next weekend and then in what is that i know two of my favorite tracks back to back yeah yeah um, exactly i think you know (laughs) maybe as a red bull fan when we get to red bull ring you'll have a you'll have a pretty good weekend just given how that track is laid out but you know i'm very excited um, I know also looking a little further ahead, we do have some fun things planned out for the summer break. Um, obviously we will have episodes. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to go MIA for We're not going to go three month. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but between Hungary and Spa, you know, we will definitely be discussing, you know, kind of a midpoint review of the season, what's gone on so far, who's been the biggest surprise, who's been the biggest loser, perhaps who have been the biggest winners, despite, you know, maybe what the rankings might or might not suggest. Um, but this weekend, Silverstone, Justin, what an iconic track. I'm I'm very happy we're back here. I mean, obviously, last year, I'm sure you hated it. But um, this year, it's just always a great place to race. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I think the, the historicness of the track, plus the fact that it's like an actual good racing track, unlike, mm-hmm. you know, a lot, I feel like with a lot of historic tracks, like, you know, Monaco, well, Monaco, you don't really <laughs> get the greatest racing. And it's just yeah. like for nostalgia merchants. But with Silverstone, it's like, you have a really nice old track that has a lot of history behind it, but then you also have like just in general, a very, very good racetrack, which is something that I feel like you can't say um, about a lot of the older tracks. So it's definitely nice that we're going to have a hopefully clean race weekend with no 51 G <laughs> crashes like we had last year at uh cops corner, which, you know, Oh, I didn't even, I, okay, never mind. We'll get to it. We'll get to it later. Okay, this train okay. of thought. Um, um, just for F1 updates, yes. Uh, you know, WDC, WCC standings, in case you forgot, in case you're too lazy to look it up. For WDC, Max Verstappen is in the lead with 175. Checo is at 129. Charles uh, trails Checo by three points at 126. George Russell is only 15 points behind Charles at 111. And then Carlos Sainz is nine points behind George Russell at 102 points for constructors. We have Red Bull with a 76 point lead at 304 points over Ferrari's 228, who have a 40 point lead over Mercedes 188. Then we have the best of the rest, McLaren, Alpine, Alfa Romeo with 65, 57, 51. Alfa Tari sitting lonely at 27. Aston Martin and Haas in a tight battle, 16 and 15. And then, as it has been for very many weeks, <laughs> Williams is still at three points. 
Um, yeah. But, you know, we have some good battles. Like we always mention, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, and McLaren are all within 14 points of each other. So that's exciting. Mercedes looks like it could catch up to Ferrari. I mean, 40 points is, you know, no small task. But, hey, Red Bull did 44. So who's to say Mercedes can't do 40? Uh, yeah, especially I with, mean, you know, how good their team has been over the past decade. There's yeah. never, ever a reason to count them out in a battle that close. Yeah, um, and I think the other thing that Justin obviously plays into that is Mercedes, AMG, Petronas, F1 are the only team to not register a DNF this season. Ferrari, Scuderia Ferrari have a joint most five DNFs this season. So, um, you know, probably that reliability is going to come in and play a part in the later parts of the season, even starting this weekend, maybe. Um, so I would say, you know, Justin, maybe there is a a strong possibility that Mercedes by like, I guess, sheer luck or Ferrari's incompetence managed to steal P2 in a year that they are probably the third fastest car by a, by a decent gap. Right. Um, I guess so. I mean, I guess you could say that obviously every, every kind of argument like that is pure speculation, oh, but yes, of course, you know, of course. I, I, I will say I'm going to agree with you on that one. So yeah, rare I mean, rare moment of just pure agreement, you know? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a long way to go. They have 40 points to make up, which is by no means an easy task in Formula One. And also, you have to, you know, you have to put in good results yourself. But the other side of it is also counting on Ferrari to uh, to fumble the bag uh, a few races here and there. But, um, you know, not out, of the, not out of the question, but also not something that I would consider a guarantee by any means. I, I also just feel like being at Silverstone, you have like two of the best drivers on the grid who are also both British like and Mercedes is talking up all these new upgrades they're bringing I just mm-hmm. feel like I feel like a big weekend is in store for them so I am yeah. very excited to see if they can you know hopefully get close to Ferrari on the track because I think it was Lando I believe said this in an interview that Silverstone is a good track because like while it is a fast track it's not just pure straights it's still pretty technical um oh yeah so it's not like it's not just like put gas, put gas in the car and then <laughs> Red Bull wins. It's it, there is a little bit of technicality to it. So it is something that I think is going to play a lot into this race. Um, and I hope that Mercedes can take advantage of the strengths that they do have and hopefully beat Ferrari. I, I know I'm like a huge Mercedes hater and that's only because, well, I'm not even a huge Mercedes hater. It's just that like last year being a Verstappen fan, it was like kind of hard. Uh, saying anything positive about Mercedes, but now that now that they're kind of in the mud, I I want them to do better because it's kind of like seeing one of your like favorite sports teams that's like super prolific, right? Like not your favorite team, but just a good team in the league, just like go down the hill very very quickly. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. think of an example off the top of my head, but oh, actually I can. Like the Kansas City Royals in 2015, <laughs> or now like just a few years later, like one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life. Ah, um, I'm just gonna smile and nod at that reference because I am just getting into baseball, so I'm not gonna pretend. You're you're no. slowly learning, though. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you're I'm learning. Big Toronto Blue Jays guy. Yes, big Toronto Blue Jays guy. But um, you know, Justin, like you said about the track, it's very technical in parts, but it also does have those straights. And I think that this is a good place to get into circuit analysis. Uh, so obviously Silverstone, 52 laps around a 5.891 kilometer or 3.66 mile circuit, and this is one of the longer circuits on the calendar. Um, I mean, I don't know that circuit length has ever like really played an issue or like been an issue. It's like, 
it's standardized for race distance, obviously. Um, just like a cool fun fact. Um, Silverstone is actually a purpose-built circuit now on what is the grounds of a former World War II airfield. Um, just like a little nice piece of history, obviously, like, you know, thank you to the, I guess, men and women of the RAF <laughs> in World War II who served there. Um, but then, yeah, we've also raced every year at Silverstone since 1987, and we've had a British Grand Prix every year since 1950. Um, and we've actually had two races here one time in 2020 during the COVID <laughs> pandemic shortened season, where we had the British Grand Prix, which was won by Lewis Hamilton, and then the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, which was won by Max Verstappen. Oh, sorry. I, I honestly thought you were going to keep going. Oh, no. I was like, all right, dude, like, <laughs> let's go. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we've been racing there for a while, which I think is like pretty dope. Again, historic yeah. track is cool and important for the calendar. It's I kind of don't like the direction we're going in where we're kind of mm-hmm. just adding a bunch of brand new tracks and we're getting rid of like, you know, Paul Ricard or Spa. So Silverstone is one of those that's like, you know, deep down that it is always going to be safe. It is always going yeah. to be on the calendar. So it is something to look forward to every single year. Now, Silverstone has two DRS zones this year from turns five to six at the Wellington Strait and then 14 to 15, the Hangar Strait. So I I think that's the exact same as last year, if I'm not mistaken, Yes. yes. Uh, which it, it's been that way. Um, I'm pretty sure for like forever, uh, unless <laughs> yeah. I am forgetting something from like the first few years that DRS was the thing. But, you know, um, I wouldn't say that the DRS on this track is like super OP compared to like some other tracks like Red Bull Ring next week where DRS is like it's just the easiest pass in the world. So it is going to make for some really good racing. And there is tons of overtaking spots. Now, obviously, those DRS zones, as with any DRS zone, are a huge overtaking spot. But there is other spots like the old pit straight um, out of the hairpin into the final chicane down the pit straight. But it is pretty narrow there, so it will be interesting to see if anyone kind of throws their car into that turn. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you have one, if you see one of the more aggressive drivers going for that move. I mm-hmm. feel like I, I, I was rewatching Silverstone um, last year because, yeah. well, not not super recently, but in the past two weeks, I watched most of it, and I feel like the drivers are just so comfortable on that track that they kind of will just you know, go for overtakes that you don't think they normally would. So I feel like that's one of the things that really keeps Silverstone fun is you really can overtake on like lots and lots of parts of this track. There is no set specific place to do it. And yes, there are better spots to do it than others. But like, you know, you can throw it around cops corner a little bit. Yeah, no, Um, I think actually, Justin, one of the craziest overtakes I've seen in, you know, like old Silverstone races is actually from your guy, Max Verstappen, I think it was on the exit of Maggots and Beckett, so on the chapel turn, uh, where he just, like, yeeted his car and just overtook Nico Rosberg in 2016. Um, oh, yeah, I know is, which like, one you're talking about. That is, abs- like, the speed at which they're exiting into chapel, like, that is absurd. He should not be able to, like, control and force a car into a gap against Nico Rosberg, who, in equal machinery, beat Lewis Hamilton, by the way. Um like, I don't know. I just feel like, like you said, the drivers who are aggressive can definitely find their spots and pick off other cars. And that's not to say that, like, you can't defend or defending is impossible here. But, um, you know, obviously, drivers... uh, it makes for like the good defenders. You know who the good defenders are exactly. on this track. Like, watch anyone who tries to pass Fernando Alonso this weekend. You're gonna watch <laughs> probably a masterclass. Yeah. Uh, very interesting side note. But like, isn't it crazy that Max Verstappen's like two of his best overtakes have come 
against Nico Rosberg, like Brazil, when it was raining oh, and then that. Yes. Also, who did who did he overtake on the outside of Spa? Oh, like at, you know what like, I'm talking about? Um, no, I, no, 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 no. It was, it was like it was in sector three. Oh, oh, then it was probably like near Stavolo. I don't, I, I, I mean, I'm sure he has. Like, I, oh. I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> Um, yeah, no but I guess, like, if you um, want to look go, that up, continue but, with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I think it. that like, you know, like you said, Fernando Alonso and those elite defense or those defensive drivers can really find some space here. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a Monaco-esque like Fernando Alonso choo-choo train. Like <laughs> we'll see like a huge gap between Alonso and the next car in front of him. Um, but, you know, I guess like <laughs> Justin, maybe the <laughs> the one time you'll talk about safety um, <laughs> ever this season you know, I think Silverstone is a pretty safe track. The runoffs are pretty large. It's in a field. It's like pretty it is. well spaced it is. out. Um, Justin, I don't know. Was there a like a major incident or something last year at Silverstone that you would like to share your thoughts when it comes to safety? So I wrote in the episode notes, 51G crash caused by Lewis Hamilton. But, you know, just strictly semantically speaking, I don't know if I can put that in the safety section because like, at the end of the day, Max Verstappen was able to walk out of his car, which I think proves how effective the safety mm-hmm. uh, measures are at Silverstone. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this is an unsafe track. And you know, obviously that was a super contentious moment last season. Like arguably the, not the turning point because that's when Mercedes then started like chomping back at the lead, and then yeah. it was close to the end. But I would say that was like you know the big thing last season, like. When people remember the Max Verstappen-Lewis Hamilton battle, they remember cops because that was, I'd say, the one where it's like you can't definitively say whose fault it was. Now, obviously, I think it's Lewis's. Some people will say Max's. Um, but like, you know, with Monza and stuff, you were like, oh, OK, that was obviously Max's fault. But with Silverstone, right. it was like, Ugh, I don't really know. Yeah, I know a lot of people kind of chalked it up to a racing incident in the moment. I mean, if we want to be like. I guess to the to the letter of the law and to like what the FIA said, like yes, Lewis Hamilton was awarded a 10 second time penalty. Um I guess like kind of going on a tangent on this, um, I don't know, Justin, you definitely watched Drive to Survive. So in episode three of season four, like the way they frame this whole incident, like the way they spend the final part of that episode, and like they give Lewis Hamilton this dramatic voiceover when he's serving his 10 second time penalty in the pits. And he's like, I've won world championships before. And like, I know what this like kind of thing means where like every moment I sit in the pits, like the title is slipping away from me, like super dramatic, like anime levels of drama, like (laughs) being brought to formula one, which I thought was really cool. Um, I don't know, Justin, like of all the, like, I don't want to say highlight because obviously like it was a crash, but like of all of these re- replayable moments, right? From the last probably five years is cops. The one that we've seen the most, like, I don't know that I've seen a replay of an incident more times across like all of F1 media more than I've seen the cops replay. Ooh. I feel like I've seen that the most, but if it wasn't that, I'd say probably Roman Grosjean's crash. I've seen at least probably a hundred times. True, 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 true. That is also, yeah. But like, I guess it also like, like you said, it was obviously a very like high speed crash into the the tire barriers at Silverstone, but like also 
when you contextualize it with what it meant for the championship, it was obviously very important, right? Like Red Bull walk away from that weekend in 2021 with no points. Mercedes walk away with like a 1-3 on the podium. So it's like amazing for them. And like you said, they started chomping back and obviously the rest of the season happened. But, um, you know, I mean, I think that like Silverstone always gives us great racing moments um, or just like very fun or very engaging moments as fans. And I I don't think that this year is going to disappoint no, I, I really feel like we're going to get a good race this year, especially with how close the cars are in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Maybe up front, it's they're going to break away towards the beginning of the race. But I feel like, you know, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, McLaren, we're going to see some crazy battles because like we mentioned at the beginning, like 14 points, McLaren's kind yeah. of dropping off and they're kind of, you know, those two teams, I feel like really could make a push towards the, you know, leading up to the summer break. You know, if you sorry, I, I, I keep saying, you know, a lot, but with Alpine <laughs> and Alfa Romeo that close to McLaren, I just really think that they kind of need to start worrying a bit more about actually getting into the points. I feel like so many times with McLaren, you hear like internal driver issues and you don't care yeah. as much about like how this car's way underperforming with what they should be expecting, which is definitely a disappointment for McLaren this year, because I feel like a lot of us thought that they were going to make the jump this year um, and maybe beat Ferrari because last year that was the battle McLaren Ferrari, but obviously Ferrari just killed them in terms of their car development. But McLaren hasn't really even been a close second uh, to anyone. I think, you know, they're leading Alpine and Alfa Romeo by less than 14 points, but one good race could change that. I mean, like we saw with Aston Martin and Haas, Seb's one P6 ended up propelling Aston Martin into a tie with Haas. And now they right. got P10 at, I believe it was Canada. And yeah, ended up Stroll got a P10. Going, yeah, Stroll got a P10. And then now they're one point ahead. So, you know, every single race when there's less than, you know, a race worth of points between you can be the turning point. So this is no time to slack off for McLaren. Obviously, Lando Norris should hopefully have a power up being right near the factory being from Britain. He probably went to Silverstone a lot as a kid, probably knows the track like the back of his hand. So I, I really feel like in my head, McLaren is the team to watch this weekend. Like I I feel like I don't say that often, but I feel like this is really going to be the make or break moment of the season because they're not getting P3. They're not passing Mercedes, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they are going to be in a battle with Alpine Alfa Romeo. And if they want to, win it this is where they have to start they have to pull away now yeah um no i I totally agree i mean i guess i'll pose this question to you right so we have four more races before the summer break that's silverstone austria the red bull ring paul ricard in france and then the hungaro ring in hungary um justin if i had to ask you to rank these three teams right now we have mclaren in fourth alpine in fifth and alfa romeo in sixth who do you think is or what do you think the order is going to be going into the summer break I want to say that Alpine's going to come out on top mm-hmm. by like a very narrow margin. Okay. And then it'll be McLaren and then Alfa Romeo will be like 15, 20 points behind them, but like still not enough to count them out for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I I think, again, McLaren's weekend to make it or break it is going to be this weekend. Sure. Hopefully Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo can pull through for their team. Right. I don't know if that's going to happen. We've seen them be extremely disappointing this year and obviously part of that has to do with the machinery but overall you kind of have to look at it as 
You know, you have to extract as much as you can out of what you're given. And I really do feel like we haven't seen that from McLaren because Imola, you know, they got a podium. Obviously, a few fluky things happened, but the car is capable of fighting for like top five points at right, some yeah. points. But when you're consistently out of the points, it's just it just makes me wonder, you know, like how how is the car competitive to score points at the beginning of the season? And now they're not have the upgrades just not been working are the drivers doing worse? Obviously, there's mm-hmm. been fair share of DNFs, I think. And I don't know. It's again, it's just I think this weekend is super important for them. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think, like you said, McLaren, they've kind of been all over the place. Like we saw them in what was it? Bahrain. And they looked probably like the biggest letdown of the season to us. Like it like we we our whole like it's just one race. But and then we said like. McLaren it was a data been. collection race. Yeah. And then we saw Saudi Arabia and like, okay, yeah, Daniel DNF'd and like, fine, they showed some improvement. And then they got to Australia and then they got what, a P5, P6, right? Like a very good result, all yeah. things considered. And then ever since then, it's just kind of been like, yeah, okay, Lando got a P3 in Imola. And then like, I think he got a podium somewhere else, if I'm not wrong. No, maybe. Um, no, I don't think so. No, no, no. But like, they've just had like mediocre kind of like, unnoteworthy performances and that's not something we really expect from a team like mclaren i mean like were they ever probably going to contend for the constructors title or were either of their drivers ever going to contend for the driver's title no i mean that's fine but the fact that like we've talked more about alpine and like even alfa romeo to a great extent than mclaren kind of shows like the fact that you're a non-story is a little disappointing if you're a mclaren fan i would think right yeah, I feel like especially with like not being the WDC or the WCC, people will still remember the narrative of your mm-hmm. year. And Alpha Romeo's is going to be, wow, this team that was in what, P9 last year? Yeah, P9 last year yeah. uh, pushed up and is now fighting in the midfield, uh, competing with the likes of McLaren, who their narrative is going to be like, wow, last year we were fighting with Ferrari and we were hoping to make a big leap up into, you know, maybe potentially fighting for a constructor championship. And out of the big teams, the big four, McLaren, Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, we absolutely kicked the bucket and aren't even able to compete with those cars. And now we're fighting in the midfield yet again. So, yeah, it's a disappointment for them. And even though they're going to probably still finish ahead of Alpine and Alfa Romeo, like, you know, Alpine and Alfa Romeo, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, those are not like as historic as those like as the parent organizations are or like the drivers might be at those teams like unfortunately as mclaren it's a little bit of a disappointment and probably uh i would say a a failure to reach your standards if those are the teams you're competing with um i guess just another thing like with circuit analysis justin i know this is like something we saw at a previous race in spain um but silverstone is notably a very smooth track um and we've seen that the tracks that are smooth uh tend to like benefit the cars that suffer from porpoising very much like we saw how well hamilton and russell did yeah we saw hamilton or the the analysis of the circuit is that like the surface at silverstone is very very smooth obviously they like freshly pave it blah 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 whatever Mm -hmm. um and it's very much like what the environment we had at spain um i know obviously like different track like apples to oranges fine whatever upgrades this and that But, like, do you think that Mercedes, if, like, the conditions are right this weekend, like, is their ceiling a race win? Because we were talking uh, after Spain, right, that, like, you know, Lewis Hamilton, fastest man on track. And, you know, obviously, like, yeah, Charles DNF'd and there were a lot of other things. But, like, 
we saw both Lewis and George were, you know, they beat Carlos in Spain. And yeah, okay, the official thing is that Carlos beat Lewis, but that was only because Lewis had to coast because of a cooling issue. George was pretty far clear. He was pushing up to Max. We did see that battle. Obviously, Max did get past him. But do you think there is a like an inkling of hope even that given, uh, you know, maybe only one car DNFs out of those top four and, you know, a Mercedes might be the one winning this race if if things go well? I hate saying this, but like, I kind of almost hope that happens because Mm -hmm. I just really want to see Mercedes back up in the points. Well, they are up in the points, but you know what I mean? Like top two team. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's, as long as I've watched F1, it's been Mercedes dominance. There has not been a single year that I followed Mm -hmm. F1 that Mercedes has not won the constructors title. So to see them like not even fighting for it right now is super disappointing. And I really hope they don't go the whole year without a race win because like, I don't want to say they deserve it, but, like, they deserve it. Come on. And George Russell has been killing it in that car. And I would mm-hmm. love for him to get his first race win in a car that isn't as good as, like, the Mercedes normally is. Because, like, what a story that would be. Because, you know, he got screwed it at Sakir. And then now he, he finally got to see the Mercedes. And then, oh, no, Mercedes wasn't as good as they normally were. Right. So to see him finally get his first race win would be really nice. And admittedly, like I'm not the biggest George Russell fan in the world, but it would be really cool seeing him to get, seeing him get a race win finally, or obviously like who doesn't love a good Lewis Hamilton race win? Obviously last year for me, I, I hated it, but like, (laughs) right. I feel like right now we're all sorely missing one of those. Yeah. Um, I guess just like another maybe prediction question for you. That's like not related or points or anything, but, um, Lewis Hamilton currently holds the longest streak in F1 for seasons with at least one race win at 15. This is his 16th season in the sport. Given the state of Mercedes right now and the competition that's around them, Justin, do you think that streak is going to break or do you think it's going to continue this year? I hope it continues. Um, Do I think it will? Right now, I'm going to... It's hard to say, right? Because Mercedes has been able to get podiums, but it hasn't been Lewis to get them. Lewis mm-hmm. has gotten, what, he he podium in Bahrain. Did he podium anywhere else yet? Canada. Canada. Okay, so yeah, he's obviously, oh, duh. He's obviously on the come up again, but when we see them get these podiums, it's like P3, and it's not like P3, oh, I was fighting P2, P1. It was like P3, and I'm 20, 30 seconds behind P1. Right, yeah. I, I think he... Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's always the fluke win everywhere, somewhere right. in the season where one of the top two teams doesn't win. And this this year, it's probably going to be Mercedes if it's like it, if it's not a Mercedes or a Red Bull win. It has to. I mean, if it's not a Ferrari or a Red Bull win, then it has to be Mercedes in my mind. Right. And I think, you know, with the experience that he has, Lewis Hamilton just kind of takes that, you know. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I know that, like, obviously, George has been performing very well. I mean. I would love if we got two, somehow two Mercedes race wins and one for Lewis, one for George. But um, I don't know. My heart, my heart says Lewis should win that one race that Mercedes got on a fluke, like you're saying. But my mind and my objectivity when it comes to <laughs> comes to F1 uh, is saying that it would probably be George. No, because, you know, George has finished P5 or higher in every single race this season. Um, I know that's kind of like a mickey mouse stat when you really think about it because that means he's just like finishing behind the top four finishing cars um but still like consistency is obviously a hugely important thing in f1 um 
But yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the the majority of circuit analysis or circuit analysis as it relates to like potential team performance, unless you have something else. Uh, no, I, I don't think I do. We can move okay. on. Yeah, I mean, I guess my like last point is that um, the Aston Martin headquarters is in Silverstone, like not the like racing complex, but it's in like the town or like the, the city of Silverstone. Um, so I, I hope that like <laughs> Aston Martin gets some sort of like home factory closeness buff or something, because like, even if you like, <laughs> if you go on Google maps, right, like Milton Keynes where Red Bull is and where like Brackley is, is yeah, Brackley is Mercedes, like they're all 20 minutes away from the circuit, but like Aston Martin, you are literally a stone's throw. Um, oh, <laughs> Silverstone. Um, uh-huh. But uh, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I hope I'm hoping for like the most like British brand, right? Like Aston Martin, right? Like the, the, the British racing green, the like the iconic James Bond imagery, that winged logo. Like, I hope they have a good weekend, right? I, I think they deserve it. And, you know, as a huge Sebastian Vettel fan, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for a, for a positive performance out of them this weekend. Yeah, me too. I always like seeing Sebastian Vettel do well. Who doesn't? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's always nice to root for the home team. But like we've seen mostly this season so far, Aston Martin hasn't really done well. But... If Seb can pull out like another P6, I would call that a resounding success for them. Oh, yeah. And then if if Seb gets like a P6, then, you know, you have to start thinking that Aston Martin AlphaTauri could be a battle, but like it probably won't be. Oh, but man. they would be only like hypothetically if Seb scored a P6 A points and AlphaTauri didn't score any points, they'd be within like five, I think. So it would be pretty cool if that happened. However, I... I don't think that Aston Martin is that good of a car. I think the points yeah. they have scored have been pretty fluky. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like they have the worst piece of machinery out there. I think that pretty obviously goes to Williams, but I don't really think they're one of the teams that's regularly competing for points. And so I don't really think that we can expect one. But obviously, like you said, a surprise would be very nice. Now, I, I have to ask you, who do you think would score points? Lance or Seb? Um... I mean, if I'm not wrong, the last person to win the British Grand Prix was Sebastian Vettel. I'm not counting the 70th anniversary Grand Prix because, like, eh, it was a one-off race. Oh, just, um, like, this straight-up British Grand Prix. Yeah, like, like the actual British Grand Prix because, like, yeah, 70th did happen at Silverstone. But the British Grand Prix, if I'm not wrong, I think it was Sebastian Vettel 2017 or 2018 is the last, like, in the last five years, I think, is the only person not named Lewis Hamilton to win the race. Um, obviously, like, wow, like, incoming hot take, Sebastian Vettel has experience. Um, but Wow, four-time WDC <laughs> is good. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that Seb has shown, like, what he is capable of. I mean, obviously, a very, very rough start to the season with COVID and then a DNF in Australia. But I think since then, he's shown, like, a level of consistency and somewhat overperformance in the Aston Martin, the tractor, effectively, that he's driving. Um, but, you know, I, I, I remain optimistic. As a, as a Sebastian Vettel fan, I will remain optimistic for what Silverstone weekend might hold. Yeah, me too. I, I think we both share a deep love for Sebastian Vettel more <laughs> than, like, any other driver. So it is always nice seeing him succeed. Just moving mm-hmm. on to some other F1-related news yep. this week. I I was looking up some articles seeing 
if we could find anything interesting to talk about. And obviously, there's a pretty big story that's been happening over the past two or three days that we can kind of talk about briefly. But before we do that, we can shortly, we can mention a few short things like Pirelli might make the uh, front tires stronger than the back Mm -hmm. tires next year just to help with understeer, which I don't think that's ever been done before. But I wonder if that would cause any like pit stop mess ups where you have like two harder tires on the right side and how that would affect you know true like wouldn't that be crazy if that happened and you'd have like more grip turning one way than turning the other way Mm. uh i mean like wouldn't you want that like you would want that though at certain tracks i'd say so yeah right like if you know a track is counterclockwise or clockwise like you would prioritize having grip on like the outs the 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 set of tires that's on the outside more because that's like where you get your grip from so like actually that might be like a very interesting pit strategy now that you bring that up but but like if they did do that they were there would 100% be regulations that would disqualify your car if you like try to scam them in that way like oops Mm -hmm. Oops, accidentally put both harder tires on the right side, and now we're like a, like a fourth of a second quicker per lap. Oh, well, just a pit stop mistake. Uh, and the other thing I saw was that Land. it was just like I mentioned earlier, Lando Norris thinks the racing is going to be good this year because obviously cars can follow better this year, and Silverstone already is a pretty good track for following. So yeah. hopefully he's right, and we see some great racing. Hopefully we see some great racing from him out of the McLaren. Mm-hmm. I really hope he places like P5 or higher, do I think it's sure. going to happen? Sure. Why not? <laughs> but it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think qualifying is going to be super important for the McLarens. Oh, like yeah. they can't keep qualifying like at the bottom, bottom end of Q2. Like yeah. that's just not going to work. So hopefully we see the McLarens in Q3. Yeah. Um. I guess our last like main, like, I guess like performance related story before we get into kind of like the larger overarching issue of uh, maybe the societal stuff that's been plaguing F1 for the last few days. Um, Society. Some teams teams have been uh, pretty upset with Mercedes about how fast they were able to install some floor updates after the new technical directive with regards to porpoising came out. Um, For those of you listening who are not as familiar, um, Formula One decided to step in after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix uh, with some somewhat like vague regulations, to be fair, like they said that they would be setting some sort of vertical oscillation limit or a, like vertical G limit, basically, to, you know, help the drivers stay healthy and not be like suffering from pain every single weekend when their cars are bouncing. Um, the the specifics of the TD, like you can read uh, on your own time, but like in short, um, two team principals in particular um, who you know, by no surprise, our Christian Horner and Mattia Binotto are pretty upset that Toto Wolf and his gang had a uh, floor update pretty much instantaneously ready, like, almost as if they didn't have to develop it, like, it just appeared out of thin air in Canada. Um, I think that's, like, a fair level of concern, Justin. I mean, like, obviously, I don't think... They were probably developing it already and were just waiting for the reg to change. That's probably why they were pushing for it so hard. And you know what? I almost respect that because... Then you can look at it the other way, like, oh, we just put all this R&D into something that we thought we were going to get, and then you didn't give it to us. Like, mm-hmm. dude, get over it. Um, yeah. I can see why, obviously, like, we know team principals are going to be mad about everything. Like, that's literally their job to be mad yeah, about. Exactly. But I honestly, I, I think it's pretty cool that Mercedes was able to roll something out that was clearly that effective that quickly. So hopefully it kind of 
pushes onto Silverstone and helps them get through maggots and beckets. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, there are some very, very high-speed cornering sections on this track, Justin. You know that as well as I do. Um, so, yeah, maybe that floor does come into play. But, you know, I mean, again, like you said, when it comes to engineering or updates and teams being faster or team principals complaining and getting their way, maybe not getting their way with the FIA, I mean, this is a story as old as time, probably, when it comes to F1, right? I mean, we saw it in 2020 where Red Bull protested DOS. Mercedes were able to keep it for 2020. They couldn't bring it back in 2021. You know, 2021, you know, Mercedes, they had their rear wing protested when Lewis Hamilton was driving at the back half of the season. And they Red Bull accused them of dumping drag. They ended up not dumping drag. Like, like you said, Justin, it is literally Christian Horner's job to yell and scream and be angry and impression farm every single thing that ha- that another team does, right? <laughs> and if he wasn't doing that, as annoying as it is for someone like me, who cannot stand how annoying he is, like, he would be doing a shit job if he wasn't doing that. Um, and, it, and the same goes for Mattia Binotto, even though he's like a very kind and nice Italian man, um, Toto Wolf, you know, Gunther Steiner, whoever, like, yeah, it's annoying when you hear the reports and it's like, oh my God, could they just like shut up and like, oh, like, haha, just design a better car, idiots. But like, it's their job. I, I don't think this is like a huge issue. I mean, like you said. No, I, I don't really have much more to say about it. I, I don't think it's, it's like one of the smallest stories of the year i feel like where obviously it's just like Mm -hmm. obviously they're going to be angry they're the other team principals it's like it's a non-story in my opinion like good job mercedes like for already figuring out the solution to this issue that you knew the regs were going to be changed in a way that would favor this upgrade so good on mercedes now yeah obviously like we mentioned there's one much bigger societal story (laughs) and if you don't know a video of nelson pk surfaced and for those of you who don't know, Nelson PK is a former F1 driver, three-time WDC winner. Yes. If I, I mean, those accolades don't really matter to me uh, at this point. But he called Lewis a very, like, abhorrent racial slur yeah. when reviewing a video of like Silverstone. Uh, he he basically called him the N word. So yeah, this video surfaced, and obviously. Lots, all the teams are posting, oh, we stand with Lewis. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't cond- condone any type of racism. And they can't say Nelson PK's name uh, directly because they're big companies and they don't want to catch like a defamation lawsuit. But you know right. what? We're a small podcast and he's not going to listen. So fuck Nelson PK. That guy's <laughs> a bitch and I hate him. He, like he should not be allowed in the F1 paddock. I think that yeah. he was handed a ban. I saw he, something he today. Yeah, he was banned. Good. Like, there, I can't believe that, like, F1 just feels so critical sometimes, because last year we have the whole, we race is one thing, and yet we're going back to these countries with pretty bad human rights violations, and then this year, this happens, and you get the most, like, half-assed apology from Nelson Piquet, and it took so much longer than it should have to condemn what he did, but I, I don't really have, like, anything else to say about it except fuck Nelson PK that guy's a douche yeah (laughs) I mean I think as like animated as that was Justin I think that's a pretty like good way of putting it all um I will say like you know the timing of this is like also pretty bad when you think about it right like what was it last week like 
this reserve driver, Yuri Vips, who we saw do free practice in Spain. Um, F2 upcoming talent was part of the Red Bull Driver Academy. He gets caught using a racial slur while playing Warzone with Liam Lawson, who's another Formula driver. Um, Red Bull have since obviously terminated his contract and he is no longer part of their Driver Academy. He is still part of the high-tech racing team um, who have also put out a, I would say, pretty lengthy and um, I would say well-worded statement about why they've chosen to retain Yuri Vips. But um, I, I guess, again, like, you know, the the issue with, I have not read that yet. What did they what um, like what was their reasoning? I can pull it up. I can't I, I imagine can't. the reasoning was that good. I mean like basically The real was, reasoning was, is cuz he already paid for this seat. Yeah, it was a it was a payment from the uh or it was a it was like a statement from the owner of High Tech Racing. Who I I forget his name off the top of my head. Um but he, gotcha. he said something effectively to the point of like I've made it very clear to Yuri that like this language or this kind of language is like unacceptable and does not stand with like the uh what's it called like the the values that high tech enshrines which is like okay that's like bare minimum good like high tech is not a racist company fine um but then they go on to say that like you know Yuri is not that kind of person and then like we're giving him a second chance because like words aren't going to solve this like it at actions and Yuri needs to show through action like the kind of person he is and like like okay fine like I mean, in my opinion, like, F2, they put out a statement saying that, like, we disagree with what Hightech did. Like, we would have terminated Yuri Vips, um, which is obviously, like, I think a fair punishment, right? Like, you can't be racist in a sport that's so popular and touches so many people in so many different countries and so many different cultures. And I think expect to retain your seat, right? Like, Yuri Vips, like, <laughs> yeah, he's in the Red Bull Driver Academy, but, like, is he ever going to really make, was he ever going to make F1? No. But like, even if he was right, like being good at your job is never an excuse to be an asshole, especially not to be racist of all things, right? Like, I don't care how good you are at driving cars. Like Mazepin, we talked about this in the very beginning of our podcast, Justin, like, yeah, he's an F1 driver, but that doesn't pardon him or allow him to sexually assault women, right? Like, that's not how any of this works. Like, I feel like that's also just an even bigger issue with like, not even just F1, but like sports in general. I feel like so many times it's just like you hear that shut up and play kind of like mentality from a lot of kids and grown adults. And it's, I feel it's a very harmful viewpoint to push that it's just, oh, it's just something that happens sometimes because it's not, and you shouldn't be accepting of it. I mean, you've heard the stories from Lewis Hamilton over the years. He was, you know, the only black kid at the racetrack and he had to deal with racial discrimination his whole life. And, a obviously very white dominated sport. So Mm -hmm. it's very, very sad to see that he is at the highest level, the greatest of all time. And he still gets this kind of disrespect. I mean, at that point, it's just like, it's very sad to see that he's going to have to just like, there, there's no escaping it no matter what. And obviously we already knew this, but it's very disappointing to see someone in Mm -hmm. as high stature as a F1 driver, previous champion still kind of have these very, what's what's the word prejudiced discriminatory viewpoints. viewpoints yeah prejudiced viewpoints and i i'm glad that they banned him from the paddock and yeah. i i just think more action needs to be taken to yeah. kind of you know condemn I mean, these situations yeah like i mean obviously like lewis hamilton probably like top like of all i think this is like i, I don't think this is a reach at all but i think of like all athletes in the world like when it comes to societal issue discussion, Lewis Hamilton has to be like top one or top two, right? Like 
I don't think there's an issue that he's afraid of challenging. I mean, the man wore a pride-themed helmet in the Middle East at the end of last year. Like, there were jokes going around that, like, Lewis wouldn't able to be wouldn't be able to contend for, like, Abu Dhabi last year because the Saudi Arabian government would ar- arrest him for wearing a rainbow helmet. Um, you know, he's obviously very outspoken about the environment, obviously about racial issues. Um, you know, he obviously tweeted. It, it was a tweet in Portuguese that says, like, now we must focus on changing the mentality. Um, I think that's, like the best way of doing it right like obviously and this is like very unfortunate that people like nelson pk senior you know who like his apology was not even an apology it was like i'm sorry lewis was offended i just think it's funny how like and his explanation was like oh like the word i used was like incorrectly translated by the media and like we use it in brazil as like a colloquial slang but it's word. not and then like a bunch of brazilian people were like no yeah, that is no. like a straight up derogatory yeah and i mean like one like he should not have said that but also like like let me just put it this way even if we want to accept that that word is not like the equivalent of the n-word which like from people who are like native portuguese speakers from brazil have confirmed why did nelson Piquet use every other driver's name but then have to define lewis hamilton by his skin color right like exactly Exactly. Like it, 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 even the most at the most fundamental level of that statement, it was just completely flawed and extremely like discriminatory and prejudiced. And like, there's obviously no room for that ever in any sport or any like part of our society. Um, and I just hope that like, you know, it, it's not going to be an overnight thing. And I don't think that being banned from the Formula One paddock is going to suddenly make Nelson PK like the anti-racist champion that this world needs. But like. You know, I just hope that this does serve, like, you know, the timing of what happened with Yuri Vips and what's happening with Nelson Piquet. I hope that just, like, helps change the focus and shows that, like, yes, this is still a problem in Formula One, but, like, we have a long way to go in a lot of sports um, when it comes to, like, a handful of societal issues. I mean, we could go on and on and on for hours about the different things that are going on in the sports. You could have a whole separate podcast. Exactly. I, you know. Yeah, I probably um, wouldn't be the best host for that kind of podcast, but <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, I mean, like, I don't know, it's just so frustrating, right? Like, even in the NFL, Justin, like Deshaun Watson, who is now officially like a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, right? He had 24 allegations of sexual assault, like levied against him of tw- 20 of which he has settled um privately and which I don't think the records will be published or publicized for many, many years, right? But like, could you imagine like, how is someone with 24 sexual assault allegations still even being, like, allowed to play in the NFL? Like, his job is not in any sort of jeopardy. Like, they're just toying with the idea of a suspension that's indefinite, yeah. But, like, why was that not instant? Why is, like, why did it take a little bit, like, fine, I guess it takes a little bit of time for Nelson PK to be banned from the paddock. But, like, man, I don't know. I think that we just have a long way to go. And we've we've made a lot of strides, I would say, but, like... There's still a long way to go when it comes to this kind of equality in sports. Yeah, I I think so too. I don't really have anything else to say on the subject yeah. right now. Obviously, if I do, I would definitely bring it up in a future episode. But yeah, I, I hope we've covered that pretty well. Obviously, you don't ever like having to talk about that kind of thing. Exactly. But when it arises, it's one of those things that you just can't ignore and just like let happen because it, it's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, we we talk about this, Justin, and like, I think (laughs) the two of us, more than a lot of people in this world, like how sports has like 
changed not just our friendship, but also, like, our relationship with, like, a lot of our other friends and, like, how we also, like, interact with, like, culture and society, right? And it's, like, yeah, we want to love these sports, but then there are just these, like, horrible, horrible, like, fringe parts that, like, make it so difficult sometimes to, like, truly appreciate what we're watching weekend in, weekend out. And, like, it's, like you said, it's, you never want to talk about this kind of stuff, but, you know, when we should, you know, we should. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's probably a pretty good spot to move on to mm-hmm. our next few, our last few segments. Hopefully we don't make this too long because the episode's already at like 45-ish minutes. But yeah. turn one trivia, Sashwa, I'd like you to go first. All right, Justin. So we touched on it a little earlier that um, Silverstone, Silverstone Circuit, hosted the first ever Formula One Grand Prix in 1950, Okay. Um, let's have a little sure, blast sure. to the past, shall we? Let's see how much you know about the <laughs> a, 19th... a short view to the past. A short trip, uh, gentlemen, a short view back to the past. Um, let's see how much you know about the 1950 British Grand Prix. <laughs> okay, so... Sure, sure. Um, do you know who was on pole position for that race? I It was do also not the guy know. who won the race. Oh, okay. I know that Giuseppe Farina won the race. Uh, his name is Nino Farina. Is Giuseppe his full name? Yeah, that's like his actual name. That was, oh, okay. Nino was just yes. his nickname. Farina did win the race. Um, do you know how many laps the first ever British Grand Prix was? <laughs> this year it's 52. Um, I'll give you a hint. I would imagine the like, circuit is it's shorter, less. so it's more laps than 52. Oh, it's more. Um, I'll, I'll throw a nice... 74 70 <laughs> damn i i was gonna say 70 but i was like damn i don't want to i don't want to just right. round it at 10 that's lame sure so of the two of the i guess what 20 or maybe 20 plus drivers who entered this race there are two world champions in this race can you name them oh god definitely not <laughs> okay um Farina was the 1950 World Drivers Champion, so he was the oh, very first. Oh, I should have just champion. guessed him. And the other one okay. was a uh, man from your uh, country of heritage, I guess, Argentina, uh, who is Juan Manuel Fangio. Um, Fangio, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess Justin, do you know to to wrap this up? Do you know how many World Drivers Championships Juan Manuel Fangio won in his career? Uh, three. Five or five? Damn! Damn! Yeah. Always the second guess. <laughs> but, whatever. Um, whatever. That is my. Uh, that is my. I guess main turn one trivia. I guess like another cool one that I saw earlier today. Um, so Lewis Hamilton currently holds or is joint record holder with Michael Schumacher for most podiums at one circuit. Lewis's record is at Silverstone. Do you know how many podiums he has in his Formula One career at Silverstone? Um, I'm going to go with a nice 12. It's exactly 12. You're right. Let's go. Finally. You know what? I finally <laughs> got something right. It feels Perfect. nice. All right. Well, that's my turn one trivia, Justin. On to you. All righty. So. <sighs> Jensen Button had 17 races at Silverstone. Wait, really? How many? T- yes, he had 17 races. Wow. Okay. Sure. How many times did he win? And as a part B, how many times was he on the podium? 
Oh, wow. Okay, well, hmm. I'm 99.9% sure he won the British Grand Prix in 2009, which is the year he won the, like, his one and only championship. Um, How many times did he win the British Grand Prix? Well, okay, so Hamilton has won it eight times. So he won in 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2016, 2015, 2008. So has Button won it? Has Button won the British Grand Prix three times? Jensen Button has never won the British Grand Prix. Really? In two thousand nine, Sebastian Vettel won from pole, oh and Button finished God. in P six. Okay, and then how many times has he been on the podium? Um. Well, I just told you he finished in P six in two thousand nine. Yeah, but you said he's raced there seventeen times. So that's yeah. a, that's another 16 races to, to get a podium out of. Um, that is true. Has he been on the podium, I'll say, six out of 16 of those other times? Jensen Button has never been on the podium at the British Are GP. Are you serious? Either. Yeah, in 17 races, he never won and never podiumed. Wow, that's like, um, shit. I felt like that was a good, a good one. Yeah, wow, what? It's pretty, I I was surprised when I read that and I was like, this is never, not even a single time. Okay. Yeah. I know that is, that's insane. And he's been in some pretty strong cars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was obviously in the brawn car in 2009 that, you know, one off one WDC WCC, but wow. Not even a podium. Jeez. Oh, that is a, that is a tough look for, for Jensen, but man, wow. That, that was a very good question, Justin. Um, Thank you. I appreciate it. I always yeah. look up the questions like less than thirty minutes before we start recording. <laughs> yeah, no. I also like went onto Wikipedia a little late today, and I was like, "Hmm, what can I? What can I look at?" <laughs> um, yeah. Um, on to Cope Corner. I think that the McLarens are going. My hot take is that the McLarens are going to get a power up from being the home for being in their home country, and will both finish P eight or higher. And that Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton will be wheel-to-wheel at some point in this race. Okay, that's fair. Um, Man, my hot take, Justin, um, is that a Mercedes car will finish P2. And that's about as hot as I can get. Because, like, <laughs> I don't know, this, this weekend just feels so unpredictable to me. Like, we've had three straight street circuit races. Like, what was our... So then what was our last permanent circuit race? Was... Was our last circuit? Yeah, so Spain. Spain was our last, mm-hmm. like, permanent racing facility race. I mean, teams have changed, like, a lot of their car setup since then. Um, yeah, because it was, it was Monaco, Baku, then Canada, which yeah. all used public road. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm feeling high on Mercedes. Maybe that's just the copium, the hopium in me. Um, I'm going to say also AlphaTauri double points. I think there was a bit of a shambles two weekends ago in Canada. Um, Yuki Tsunoda just drove out of the pits too fast and went right into the tire barrier, triggered a safety car, I believe. Uh, Pierre Gasly (laughs) just had a rough, rough qualifying and couldn't really move out of, you know, the bottom 10 places at all. Um, But I I think a strong rebound weekend, um, especially with that nice Red Bull powertrains power unit in the back of the car. Um, I'll say Red Bull or, uh, I'll say AlphaTauri double points because, uh, I think Red Bull double points is pretty much guaranteed outside of a DNF. Yeah. All right. On to our pre-race predictions. We'll alternate who answers first. 
So, Sash, who do you think the pole sitter will be? Justin, it's a track with straights. We've seen tracks with straights. We've predicted a Red Bull on pole before. I will not make this mistake again, and I will go with Quali Merchant himself, Charles Leclerc. Um, Damn, I wanted to choose Charles as well. Yeah, um... I, I don't know, man. I like. <laughs> I, I'm feeling him this weekend. I feel like over the past, you know, this is his comebacker. Wonder. He had actually, a nice one week to. Actually, I'm gonna game day decision change this, and by game day I mean right now. Charlotte Claire oh, no. will not be on pole. Um, you know, I'll say Max Verstappen for pole. I'll give you Charlotte. Okay, pole. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you I mean, I, I don't know why you were you were. <laughs> you were framing it like it was going to be a framing hot take and then you're like i think the guy who's leading the championship by about 50 points is gonna be on pole but i'm gonna go with your original prediction for charles i think he's a quality merchant i think you know this off week has let him reset get out of his head and he will he will manage manage the track very well yeah as for race winner i am gonna go with max because I don't see okay. Red Bull losing this race. Okay. I'm going to go with Charles in the Ferrari. And I'll tell you I'll tell you why. Whoa, we're swapping. We're swapping. Because, Justin, after the incident on lap one at Cops last year, do you remember who led the majority of the British Grand Prix last year? It was Charles, yeah. It was Charles. And why did he lose the race? Because his engine died. Um, or he, he had a hydraulics issue and his power was inconsistent. Um... I'm going to play some severe hopium and say that that does not happen again. I'm going to say somehow Charles manages to battle out or attack Max and take that P1 somewhere in the opening laps. And he drives that car home. I don't think it's going to be like an Australia or Bahrain-esque win where he's kind of clearly in control. I think there will be some exciting racing between him and Max. But at the end of the day, I'll take Charles. I'm I, I'm, I'm optimistic given last year's performance, Um, you know, but obviously contingent on ferrari not you know completely dropping the ball no absolutely so this is on to our fun questions yep. so will after the opening credits play you know the dun dun dun, dun, dun yeah <laughs> and the race race is getting ready to start will we see a replay of cops last year bef- at any point during the race yes we will um yeah i think so as well because the way they do it is that they go through like each of the turns they go in turn order that's what i was thinking and as well. they yep. always say like action moment or something and if the one at turn nine which is cops does not say 2021 verstappen versus hamilton someone on the f1 broadcast team is losing their job um absolutely i, think it's, it's, I mean it just, it's just it's, too big of a moment to ignore it's such a shoe in right like how could you not like it'd be like not are... including rosberg hamilton for when you're at spain it just exactly. wouldn't make sense exactly um i i think this is probably the safest prediction we'll have all year um it was also like this we always get the sky feeds here in america um so like sky sports is definitely going to be capitalizing on that without a doubt um oh yeah oh yeah i, I yeah I'm, I'm glad we're in agreement on that I, I i hope there wouldn't be too much of a disagreement there and now on to the final question before we wrap things up and i will answer first will sure. george russell score p4 or higher or p5 or lower i'm gonna say he gets p4 or higher i think he has that top five streak there's, I don't see an ending now. There's no like reason they would, especially with the upgrades they brought 
And I do think, you know, again, mm-hmm. being at home is going to really help him. So I'm going to say he's, I'm going to even say he's going to podium. Yeah, I, God, I wish we had more diverse, man, just to like, for the sake of being different, I want to say like the latter, but I know it's going to be the former. I know he's going to be P4 or higher. Like, yeah. I have to stick with my mind. I have to take the points here. You know, the, the Formula One-on-one championship, Justin, it's it's getting closer and closer week by week. And if I can take a short shot prediction, I will 100% take it. Um, I think George, like... <laughs> he's going to get P5 because you said that. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time I've predicted the wrong way in Formula One. Um, it's all right. But, it's all you know... Right. I, you know, George, again, like you said, consistency king. He has been truly Mr. Sunday in that Mercedes car so far this season. Nine out of nine races, P5 or higher. I don't see that streak breaking at all this season. Or, whoa, not this season, I should say. Um, but this weekend, um, yeah, I'll take a P4 or higher. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was on the podium. I mean, if he was a driver that I, like, in my Cope corner, if he's the Mercedes P2, I would not be surprised in the slightest. Um, he has really shown us what he is capable of in that car, um, and why Mercedes chose to bring him on for this year and for to, to be their future effectively. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's George Russell. Yeah. Um, anything else to add before I wrap things up? Honestly, no, Justin. Um, <laughs> I think it's a little funny as Americans, we're going to be watching the British Grand Prix over the 4th of July weekend. Um, but it's okay. That, there's there's not much to celebrate in this country right now anyway. That is true. That but is true. We're, we're not getting into that right now because we're already an <laughs> hour in. And, oh, anyways, as always, everyone, thank As always, thank you. Yeah, yeah, oh my God, dude. <laughs> I was going to say, we're, we'd have to go another 30 minutes. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening, as always. Sorry that the... Canada checkered flag episode was probably one of our worst episodes so far. <laughs> so we hope this one made up for it. Uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, please rate us five stars on any listening platform you're listening to us on. Check us out on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at F one on one pod. We haven't posted a TikTok since April, but I promise we'll change. I say it every time, but I promise we'll change. I do get into a lot of arguments on Twitter. So I feel like that's a good spot to follow us. And obviously we've revamped the Instagram. So we got some good graphics now, but We will see you guys on Sunday for the recap of the British Grand Prix. And in the meantime, enjoy yourself. Have a nice weekend. Peace. Have a good one, guys.